are basically taking for granted a resource system that's not sustainable. And when you really become aware at the level of the general public and politicians that it's a real issue, it's going to maybe be too late. Welcome back to the second season of the RSM River Mechanics Podcast. That was Dr. Greg Morris, one of our second season guests, introducing the theme of these episodes. Over the last few months, we've recorded a bunch of remarkable conversations about river mechanics, fluvial geomorphology, and sediment transport. But I noticed that four of those conversations clustered around a particular topic, reservoir sediment management. If you work in or adjacent to the sediment and river process world, you probably either have or will encounter some sort of sediment challenge associated with a dam or a reservoir. These are sediment management hotspots. So in our world, reservoir sediment is kind of a big deal. And it's also a temporally monotonic issue. The longer we ignore it, the bigger the challenge gets. So any self-respecting sediment transport podcast has to tackle this topic. And I lined up several guests to talk about different aspects of the reservoir sediment challenge. But instead of interspersing those conversations through a full season, I decided to cluster these four reservoir sediment management conversations into a four-episode mini-season this summer before I run the other eight to ten episodes in a full third season this fall. And if you've been anywhere near the literature surrounding reservoir sediment management or dam removal, I think you're going to be pretty stoked about the guest list. First, we talked to Dr. George Annandale, who has been one of the most requested guests on this podcast and is something of an ambassador for resilient water supply and how reservoir sediment trends affect global sustainable development goals. In our conversation with George, we covered the motivation and philosophy of reservoir sediment management, including an idea that's been particularly influential for me over the years, intergenerational equity. Well, intergenerational equity is really to make sure that in the way that we use our resources, that we don't harm future generations. We make our decisions and design our projects in a way that future generations can still benefit. For example, if you have a dam in a reservoir and it completely fills with sediment, at the end, the generation that needs to take care of that decommissioning hasn't benefited from this at all. We also delved into resource economics and how it affects the way we manage sediment and reservoirs. And George introduced the menu of potential reservoir sediment management techniques. Then in the second episode, we talked to Dr. Greg Morris, who you heard from at the top of this trailer. Most of us who work on reservoir sediment got our introduction to this topic through the only book available at the time, a text we all just call Morrison Fan. And it's likely that no one has worked on reservoir sediment management plans on more projects in more settings than Greg. This episode took a technical turn as we covered the same broad categories of sustainable reservoir management methods introduced in the first episode, methods like routing and sluicing and bypass and flushing and turbidity currents and dredging, but we delve into the practical pros and cons and case studies from around the world. Sluicing is working, for instance, at Samanja in the Yellow River, heaviest sediment load of any reservoir in the world. And so the first part of that season, they'll keep the reservoir basically empty and pass the floods through, and then they'll close the gates and fill the reservoir with the clear water that comes at the end of the flood season. It's not obviously totally clear, but much lower sediment load, and they do this on an annual basis. So I cannot think of a better introduction to reservoir sediment management than conversations with Dr. Annandale and Dr. Morris, who bring decades of global experience to the table. But one theme that emerged from conversations with both of these global experts is that we don't have much of a culture of reservoir sediment management or a history of these practices here in my country. Or at least that's the narrative. 
So in the third episode, I talked to Dr. John Shelley and Dr. Paul Boyd, regional technical specialists in sediment transport and reservoir sedimentation from the Corps of Engineers, who have done as much work on reservoir sediment management in the U.S. as anyone I know. We talked to John and Paul about the U.S. experience, including some myths and legitimate challenges to reservoir sediment releases, including dissolved oxygen processes and the non-stationarity consolidation introduces into these systems, and some of the complexities of our country's relationship with sediment as a pollutant, which John has done quite a bit of work on. You know, all the, the various species of fish, they're used to a certain amount of sediment, and when you build a dam, it cuts that sediment load off. And so downstream from virtually every dam, you have unnaturally clear water, Mm -hmm. and the species have changed because of that. Many of the native fish are completely absent now from the rivers downstream, or at least the numbers are much, much reduced. If you look at the native species, thinking specifically on the the Kansas River, they have little tiny eyes, Mm -hmm. whereas these sort of the non-native species have great big eyes, and if they have clear water, the non-native species, they can see better they can outcompete or prey on the native species. Whereas the native species, it's more of an olfactory, so more by smell do they navigate, and they hide in the turbidity. And so they need that turbidity to survive and to compete. We also covered a set of case studies that we've published on U.S. dams that are actively managing sediment, including Paul's observations surrounding the biannual flushes at Spencer Dam. And another observation is that deposited volume downstream seems to clear out of a system like that really quickly. Like by the time we're doing a flush six months later, that whole downstream channel is back to the way it was. You'd never believe that after two weeks, you've got six feet of sand deposited in these huge sandbars covering dozens of acres right below the dam. And you come back four months later, it's all gone. Then finally, we wrap up this series with a conversation about how to manage sediment at the end of a project life cycle, closing out this mini-season by talking to Jennifer Bountry from the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation Technical Service Center about dam removal. Jennifer wrote an interagency guidance document on dam removal with Tim Randall that harvested insights from dozens of public and private sector practitioners from all over the U.S., which is frankly the first thing I recommend anytime a community is considering a dam decommissioning or an analysis team is tasked with analyzing a removal. Risk is probability times consequence. So the probability was really founded on how much sediment you had there and how does it compare to what the river can handle or an average annual load. And then we take that times consequence of, does anyone care about the impacts if the sediment were released? And that's a conversation with stakeholders. That's a really important part of the process that isn't just running a model, but actually going out, talking to the folks who may be affected by the dam removal, and then looking at how the risk may be very small or very high. We also talked to Jen about her experiences with the world's largest anthropogenic dam removal to date, the Elwa, and her most recent interagency meta-analysis. After that, we'll take another production break, and we'll return in the fall with a full third season, which gets back to the more general topics of river mechanics, restoration, and fluvial geomorphology. And we've recorded some great episodes, including conversations with David Montgomery, Marcel Garcia, Tony Thomas, Mary Power, and, well, you'll see, we've been busy. But over the next month, we're turning our attention to the question, what happens to sediment transport, river mechanics, and fluvial geomorphology when you turn a river into a lake? And is there anything we can do about it? As the RSM River Mechanics Podcast turns to reservoir sedimentation in a four-episode mini-season on reservoir sediment management.